What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week 10 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019-2020 NFL regular season and postseason, and I guess I gotta eat a little crow this morning. It's not because of the picks from last week. The picks from last week were solid. 9-5 and five straight up has me 83-51-1 on the season, picking the game straight up. 8-6 and six against the spread, and 8-5-1 and one on the over-unders. And the over-unders we have pulled to now four full games above 500, which is a far cry better than where we were when I sat here a month ago and made my ultimatum to myself and my guarantee to you, which was that by the time I sat down to do this episode, I would be at or above 500, both against the spread and over under. Over under, I fulfilled that promise. I came through. I went from three games under 500 when I sat down to do the week six episode to now four games above. Against the spread, I had a much larger hole to try to dig myself out of. I was 17 games under 500 when I sat down and I made that ultimatum. We are currently eight games under 500. So look, I pulled a plus nine since then, which is, I mean, incredible given how poorly the beginning of the season was, but... I didn't fulfill that promise. I didn't get there. I'm not at or above 500. And so I must face my punishment. And my punishment, more details on that, will come out in the coming days. Week 9 was also a banner week for the Platinum, Gold, Silver, and Bronze picks, which I went 11-1 and one combined in all four of those picks. The only one I got wrong was the against-the-spread play in my platinum pick. I had San Francisco beating Arizona. They did that by three points, 28 to 25. That's the platinum pick. The gold pick, I had Buffalo beating Washington. They did that handily by 15 points, 24 to nine. Silver pick was last night's game in Monday Night Football. Dallas over the New York Giants. And I actually almost nailed the exact score in that game. I think I missed it by three total points. Dallas wins 37 to 18. And the bronze pick, I had the Seahawks over the Bucks. That game went to overtime, but worked out for me. Seattle wins 40 to 34. I did tell you to take the Niners minus nine and a half against the spread, and that is the one play that I got wrong. But I told you to lay nine and a half points on Buffalo. That worked out. I told you to lay seven and a half points on Dallas. That worked out. I told you to take the points with Tampa Bay plus six and a half, even though that's betting on a pretty bad defense, and that worked out. Tampa Bay plus six and a half, that cashes, and I cashed on all four of the totals. Over 43 points in San Francisco, Arizona. Under 37 in Buffalo, Washington. Over 48 in Dallas, New York, and over 52 in Seattle, Tampa Bay. It was a hell of a week for the biggest picks. Moving on to the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators. Pick'em pools will start in my pool. Still sit in 14th place out of 37 despite the fairly good week. 743 out of 1,083 possible confidence points. That is a clip of 69% and it is nearing that 70% clip where you want to be on the season once it comes to an end. 72 out of 105 possible confidence points were what I brought in last week, but it was not good enough to win the week. That 69% clip was overshadowed by our week nine winner, and I believe I'm pronouncing this right, 
Tanioida, Tanioida. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. But Tanioida went 10 and 4 last week and brought in 80 of the 105 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 76%, was good enough to win week 9. Justin V remains our overall leader, 86, 48, and 1 straight up on the season, 790 out of 1,083 possible confidence points, and that is a clip of 73%. But just to illustrate how close this pool still is, there are 14 teams, myself included, that are still within 50 points, which seems like a big number, but with confidence points, that's one or two good weeks. So 14 teams still within 50 points of the lead, seven of those 14 are within 25. So nothing's been decided yet. In the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick em pool, I now sit in 14th place all alone out of the 36 people making picks in that pool with my 83 straight up correct picks this season of the 135 games played. That's a clip of 61%. We're up over 60. That's nice. Keep wanting to push it closer to 65 on our way towards 70. Hopefully that's something that can happen this season. Uh, nine of the 14 games is what I brought in correct last week. That's a clip of 64%, a little better than our average. Shout out to our week nine winner who won all alone, which is sometimes kind of rare in this pool, Shark Jumper. Shark Jumper goes 11 and 3 picking the games last week. 11 of the 14 correct is a clip of 79% and was good enough to win week 9. We now have co-overall leaders as well. This is West Coast Martin and Rel Eagles fly to longtime members of the community. 89 correct picks out of the 135 games played so far this season. That's a straight up clip of 66% and they are in a dead heat right now for the lead in this pool. And once again, to illustrate how close this pool still is, there are 20 of the 36 people in this pool that are within 10 picks of the lead. Everybody's been doing right around the same so far this season, but 13 of those 20 are within five. That's what I love about these pools. They're so ultra close right down until the very last week of the season. So shout out to Taneoida and Shark Jumper for being our week nine winners and to Justin V, West Coast Martin and Rel Eagles Fly for being our overall leaders. We're going to take a peek into Fantasy Corner now to see how my eight fantasy football teams did in week nine action. Another just, you know, another week at the office for me. I've had a really, really, really good fantasy season that continued last week to the tune of six and two across my eight fantasy football teams. And in the two biggest leagues, the two dynasty leagues, the two money leagues, I picked up victories. I had a win in week nine over Tim's crazy team in the professionals dynasty fantasy football that has me at 7-2, firmly in second place in that pool. And in the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I picked up the win over the person I referred to last week as Two Tight End Man. That was a real sweat, though. It took Lamar Jackson and the Patriots defense on Sunday Night Football for me to come up with that victory, and I was... Sweating it basically right down until the end of the game. Picked up the win by just a couple of points. But that moves me to 8-1 and one in that league, firmly in second place of 12. 
in week 10, which is a heavy, heavy bye week week. I've got a matchup against the Tomorrowland Movers. That is Chris Carter, the Hatbox Kid in the Professionals Dynasty pool. That is a projected win for me right now. And in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I've got a matchup against Billy B, Scrote Squad, arguably the best team name in this league. That's my week 10 matchup. And right now it's a projected loss because both my kicker, Kaimi Fairbairn, hashtag kickers matter, and my team defense, the New England Patriots, both of those are on bye this week. So I got to figure out what the hell I'm going to do about my defense and my special teams. But Tim and to tight end man, thank you very much for the matchups in week nine. And to Chris and Billy, longtime admins of this community, let's knuckle up and let's do this. And before we move on to the picks, I'll take the opportunity, as I always do, to let you know that in the description of the video file on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 10 in the NFL. You can find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools. Never too late to join up. Put your picks head-to-head against mine and the best of this community. And if you win, you get yourself shouted out for a week. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page where we talk football all week long. Excellent little community. Definitely growing week to week and uh, we could use your voice for sure. And you can find information on my sponsors and my great friends at Nerd Tees. It might be giving you repetitive stress disorder, but there are no sweeter words in the English language as far as I'm concerned. Nerdtees.ca. Hit that promo code BWFINEST and that is going to save you 15% at checkout and you can get free shipping in Canada on any order over 75 bucks. Of course, that is only if you live in the Great White North. If you live south of the 49th parallel in the US, you get an excellent conversion rate on the US dollar and two clicks of a button, everything on the website shows up in US prices for you. Today's blend is what is, I think, become, it may have even overtaken the the chocolate cake as my number one favorite blend. This is watermelon oolong. It's fantastic hot. It's fantastic cold. It smells tremendous. And uh, I think... I think I legitimately have a new favorite, and that's what I'm sipping on this morning as we tangle with the Week 10 games. Nerdtease.ca, promo code BWFINEST. Find yourself something to love. Find someone you love something to love just in time for the Christmas season. You can do it with that promo code on Nerdtease.ca. So like I said, it's kind of a hell week for the buys. We got six teams on buy this week, those being Denver, New England, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Houston, and Washington. So we only have 13 games on the slate this week. It makes for a tough week, but if you can excel in a week like this, you really set yourself up heading down the stretch. Let's get into our games. We are going to begin in Chicago for a division matchup of the NFC North, Bears, playing host to the Detroit Lions. Both teams coming into this game off of full possession, convincing losses last week on the road. Chicago dropping an eight-point decision in Philadelphia. 
Detroit dropping a seven-point decision in Oakland. Now, look, these are the two teams in this division that are struggling combined. They've only won six games. I think they've played, let's see, they've each played eight, so six out of 16 games. Not exactly the greatest. The Lions, the only team in this division that has not yet beaten a division opponent. But at the very least, the Lions have won a game recently enough that anybody can remember it. The Bears are on a four-game skid here. And once again, it's not the defense's fault. That is, head and shoulders, the best defense in that division. There are better statistical defense than both the Vikings and the Packers. It's been the offense. That is arguably, you know, right up there with, like, let's say, Washington as the worst offenses in the NFC. But any hope Chicago has, it's not going to be based on their offense. It's going to be very firmly based on their defense. Now, they're going up against what has been a pretty darn good offense in the Lions this season. The Lions, the number five total offense and number three passing offense in the NFL so far this season. But the Lions, any success, like I say... It's going to be on the defensive side. The Bears still have a top 10 total defense on the season, ranking in at number eight. And they're the number six scoring defense in the NFL as well. So this is classic matchup, offense versus defense. And if Chicago's going to do anything, I think they should be able to do it against a Lions team that has given up the most points in that division, 217 points in eight games. Of note, the Chicago Bears have won and covered two straight games head-to-head, so both of the games they played last year against each other, the Bears won and the Bears covered, and five of the last seven head-to-head matchups between these two teams have gone under whatever the point total is. Although when we look at what the point total is this week, ooh. I think the real difference maker in this game is going to be that Bears defense and the fact that the Lions are coming into this game on the tail end of back-to-back roadies, although they did lose last week, but still, they've been on the road for a few weeks now. I like the Bears here, although this is an absolute coin flip of a football game. Mostly, I'm leaning Chicago because the game is in Chicago. If the game was in Detroit, I'd probably be leaning on Detroit, but I think we're going to go with the Bears here at home. I mean, look, the Bears have only won one of their four home games, but the Lions have only won once on the road. Something's got to give and somebody's got to win. So let's lean on the home team here. Take the Bears to beat the Lions. On the line, Chicago's a two and a half point favorite at home, which makes absolute perfect sense to me. I like the Bears to win. That's a relatively small price to pay. So I think we're going to lay those two and a half points and we're going to go Chicago minus 2.5. Total in the game, like we talked about, set only at 42 and a half points. And this is right around where I have this game capped. I got this right around a low 40, maybe pushing a mid. So I know this is going to go against the trend, but I think I got to go over on that just because I really don't feel much like sweating a 42 and a half number staying under. So I think I'm just going to lean on the over here and uh, we'll see what happens. Over 42 and a half points in Detroit, Chicago. Let's go Bears 23, Lions 20. Let's go to Cleveland now where the Browns are losers of four straight games and wouldn't you know who won the pony, Odell Beckham Jr. is not happy with his quarterback play. Where have we heard this before? The Browns are going to be playing host to the Buffalo Bills in this game and all eyes, I think, are going to be on Cleveland here because Kareem Hunt 
coming back from his suspension. He is eligible now to rejoin the team, is expected to play in this football game. You know, heck of a return for him to have to face a Buffalo Bills defense that's really, really good. Bills are 6-2 on the season, having, of course, that aforementioned 24-9 victory at home against Washington last week. They're playing another team here with an offense that definitely struggles and a defense that, because of the offense's struggles, has kind of struggled to keep points off the board in their own right. And that's the kind of team that the Buffalo Bills can kind of feast on because their defense can make those plays that get them the football back. Bills rocking the number three total defense in the NFL right now, as well as the number three scoring defense. So welcome again, welcome back Kareem Hunt. But uh, and that that's going to be one of the most interesting storylines to me this week is how the Cleveland Browns deploy both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb is an excellent running back. Kareem Hunt is a significantly better pass catcher. So I would expect Kareem Hunt to kind of slide into that Duke Johnson role for those years that he was in Cleveland, play that kind of, uh, that receiving back role like Jamal Williams plays in Green Bay or like Royce Freeman plays in Denver. I would kind of expect that to be the role for him at first but make no mistake about it if Nick Chubb goes down to an injury Kareem Hunt is a home run slam dunk RB1 in fantasy so it's worth your while if Kareem Hunt is available in your league it's worth your while to maybe even spend a waiver claim on him because he's one injury away from being probably a top 15 or top 10 fantasy running back. You know how I mentioned before about the Bills having that defense capable of making the plays that get their offense the ball back. Cleveland is minus eight in the turnover differential so far this season. That is the fifth worst ratio in the NFL of turnovers to takeaways. They're minus eight. Buffalo's defense, I think, is going to have a field day here. I don't expect Cleveland to get it figured out that quickly and that much turnaround time to beat the Bills. So I'm going to take Buffalo, even though the game is in Cleveland. Let's take the Bills on the road to beat the Browns. On the line, and this is the most mind-boggling line, I think, of the whole week to me, the Bills are three-point underdogs. Like, did something happen that I'm just not aware of? Why in the world is Buffalo a three-point underdog in this game? Makes absolutely no sense to me. So thank you very much. I will take those three points on the team that I'm pretty confident is going to win this football game. Let's do Buffalo plus three. Total in the game set at 40 and a half points. Even though it's a really low number, I don't have this game getting out of the 30s. So I got to lean under on it, I think. We're going to go under 40 and a half points in Buffalo, Cleveland. Let's take Bills 24, Browns 13. Let's go now to the Battle of New York. The Jets technically, quote-unquote, playing host to the New York Giants. Now, the Giants, of course, coming into this game on the short week, having played just last night on Monday Night Football and looking pretty good for the first half. As an aside, I don't know whether it was the Giants' plan to have that black cat run out onto the field, but whatever happened, it absolutely reverse-jinxed the Dallas Cowboys, who I think put up, like, 21 points after that happened so uh if that was the plan it kind of backfired 
But even so, that was the second most embarrassing loss of the week to happen to a New York-based team. The Jets dropping a 26-18 decision to the Miami Dolphins, who win their first game on the season. Who called it? Your boy called it. I said, I sniffed it out. I saw that spread, and I was like, there is no way Miami is going to win this football game. And that is exactly what happened. So I'm going to do a Barry Horowitz and pat myself on the back. Uh, two bad football teams here. Like the defenses, the scoring defenses are really bad. The Jets offense is absolutely terrible. And now it looks like Le'Veon Bell is having a scope on his knee. Or there's some issue going on with his knee or lower leg, something like that. Which is an absolute nightmare scenario for the New York Jets. There's one element here, even though the Giants have a significantly better statistical offense, there's one element here that I think is going to be the turning point in this football game. And I talked about it when I talked about Buffalo-Cleveland. It's the turnover ratio, including what happened last night. The New York Giants are minus 10 in the turnover differential. That is the third worst mark in the NFL. They also have the most giveaways in the NFL. They've given the ball away 22 times. Let me say that again for the people in the back. 22 giveaways this season. 10 interceptions thrown at the quarterback position, and they fumbled the ball 12 times. That's more than one fumble lost per game. Is it completely out of the realm of possibility that the New York Jets generate two takeaways? Three takeaways? The statistics kind of lean that way anyway, just based on the raw numbers. Seems like the Giants are going to cough the ball up about three times a game. The two teams are too evenly matched for the Giants to lose three takeaways and uh, and still win the game. So this is an underdog play, but I'm actually going to take the Jets. I'm going to take the, the, the home team here because I think the two teams are way too evenly matched. And while I agree that Saquon Barkley is the runaway best playmaker on either side of the ball, especially if Le'Veon Bell is limited or not playing in this game, I still think the Jets are going to win this thing. So we are going to take the Jets at home in the moderate upset, Jets beat the Giants. On the line, the Jets are two and a half point dogs at home. So given that I like them to win, I'm more than happy to take those two and a half points. Total in the game set at 43. This is another game like Buffalo Cleveland that I don't have getting out of the 30s. So I feel pretty good about telling you to stay under on it. We are going to go under 43 points in the Battle of New York. Let's go Jets 20, Giants 17. Not a whole lot to speak of on the injury side of things this week, but we will go to Tampa Bay where we do find our first one. The Bucks are going to play host here to the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona coming into this game on the long week, having played San Francisco to that three-point game on Thursday night in Week 9. The Bucks came up on the unhappy side of that 40-34 game that went into overtime in Seattle against the Seahawks. But the fact that the Bucks put up not only put up 34 points on Seattle, but took a very good Seahawks team to overtime, I think said a lot about, at the very least, the offensive side of that team. The defense is still really bad because the second half, Russell Wilson just basically did whatever he wanted, which, by the way, Russell, thank you very much. My fantasy team truly, truly appreciated that performance. But I think that was 
actually a sign of decent things for this Tampa Bay Bucks team. It finally looks like maybe the offense is what has been talked about over the last, God, two years. This is a battle of two teams that have only won a combined five games so far on the season. Um, the Bucks' defense, again, is really, really bad, but so is the Cardinals. They've only given up one point different from each other. Like the Bucks have given up 252 points. The Cardinals have given up 251. As I mentioned on the injury side of things, Bucks linebacker Carl Nassib, who you may not be incredibly familiar with that name, but 20 tackles and three sacks on the season. He's certainly been able to do things in the pass rush game and has been holding it down at the linebacker position. He injured his groin. He was ruled out of the game last week. His status moving forward is uncertain, but again, like how much is that really going to impact a defense that's giving up, I think, over 30 points a game? So, you know what? Yeah, it's an injury and it was worth noting, but what we're really going to be leaning on here is the Bucks on the offensive side of the football. The Bucks, the number four scoring offense in the NFL so far this season, and they're going up against that Cardinals defense, which is the fourth worst scoring defense and the third worst total defense. I don't see any way that Tampa Bay is not going to be able to move the ball on Arizona, especially given that the game is in Tampa Bay. They get the crowd volumes where they want it to be. I don't think Tampa's going to have much trouble moving the ball. Now, Kyler Murray, on the other hand, is going to be able to move the ball through the air, but this is also a Bucks defense that is the number one run defense in the NFL. Is that because teams aren't running on them because they know they can throw? Probably, but still, statistically speaking, it's the number one run defense in the NFL. The Cardinals only clocking in with seven takeaways on the season, which is tied for fourth fewest in the NFL, but they're also not giving the ball up. They've only given the ball away four times so far on the season. That's a giveaway every two games. That actually ranks number one in the NFL. So ball security has been at a premium for Arizona. I don't expect them to cough it up in this game. I just don't think in a track meet, they're going to be able to keep pace with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we are going to lean on Tampa Bay in this one. Let's take the Bucks at home to beat the Cardinals. On the line, the Bucks are four and a half point favorites at home. You know what? It's under a touchdown. I don't trust this Cardinals defense at all. I think I got to lay those points. It might seem like an okay hedge position, and I'm really not going to, I'm not going to hate you if you want to hedge this game by any means, but uh, I think I'm going to lay the points there. Let's take the Bucks minus four and a half at home against Arizona. Total in the game set at 52 and a half points. I mean, I have this thing at a mid 60. So I feel I feel real good about going over 52 and a half, even though that is the largest total of the week. We are going to go that way. Let's go over 52 and a half points in Tampa Bay, Arizona. We are going to go Bucks 35, Cardinals 30. Let's go to Indianapolis now. And speaking of injuries, we run into our first significant injury of last week. The Colts are going to play host to the Miami Dolphins, who are, of course, coming off their first win of the season. It, because it's the Miami Dolphins, could not come without a little bad news attached to it. 
The Colts dropped a two-point decision in Pittsburgh against the Steelers last week due in no small part to the fact that Jacoby Brissett came up in that game with an injury which was later diagnosed as a sprained MCL. I mean, he seems highly doubtful for this game and quite frankly, yes, this is me editorializing, he shouldn't play in this game. It's Miami. Absolutely no chance as far as I'm concerned if I was Jim Irsay that Jacoby Brissett would be playing. I think Brian Hoyer gets the start here. Hoyer looked fine in that game last week. I will be interested to see how that offense looks with a full game of Brian Hoyer. That's what I expect to happen. Miami Dolphins, again, coming into this game off their first win, but they also have the worst turnover differential, probably to the surprise of no one, in the NFL. They are minus 13 in the turnover department. Can the Colts defense take advantage of that? It's hard to see how they couldn't. Like I said before, Miami can't have anything good happen without some bad attached to it. And it was two pieces of bad, actually. Miami wide receiver Preston Williams, who is certainly starting to play better as of late. 32 catches for 428 yards and three touchdowns. He injured his knee last week. He is done for the season. So you got a Miami wide receiver who, like, I mean, he could have had a shot at 900 yards, 800 yards for a Miami Dolphins wide receiver with maybe half a dozen touchdowns. That would have been a hell of an accomplishment for a player on that team. Really unfortunate, injures his knee. He's done for the year. I look forward to seeing what he does when he comes back next year. And at the running back position, as if this offense needed more problems, Mark Walton at the running back position, who basically took over as the incumbent running back one after uh, uh, Kenyon Drake, I was about to say Kareem Hunt, after Kenyon Drake was traded to Arizona, he has been suspended for four games due to a violation of the substance abuse policy that was allegedly uh, stemming from things that happened before he got to Miami. He's out for four games and it looks like Kalen Ballage will be stepping in as the new RB1 in Miami. I think you could do worse than Kalen Ballage in this matchup against Indianapolis. That's just my opinion, but Mark Walton done for four games, Preston Williams done for the year. I think that might be as much as I've said about a Miami Dolphins game all season. Um, Colts win, especially where the game's in Indianapolis. Even without Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer is more than capable of beating the Miami Dolphins. So that's the way we're going to go. Colts beat the Dolphins. On the line, even without Jacoby Brissett, the Colts are still laying 10.5 points at home and the only reason that this was not in my platinum gold silver and bronze picks for this week is because of the Jacoby Brissett injury like if Jacoby Brissett would have been in there this probably would have been uh oh it would have been pretty high up there it might have been my silver pick maybe even my gold but uh again I love the Colts in this game and I still think I should lay those points I still think the Colts cover that number even though it's double digits it is a bit of a coin flip call it a lean if you want to but i'm gonna have the colts cover that number at minus 10 and a half total in the game set at 43 and a half points this is actually pretty close to what i think it's gonna wind up being i have this in the low 40 area so i guess this is another lean but i think i gotta stay under on it because who in the, like the popcorn vendor is going to be playing wide receiver for the Dolphins at this point? Who in the world do they still have other than Devontae Parker, who you can now safely double team and take him out of most situations? So we are going to stay under 43 and a half points in Indianapolis, Miami. We're going to go Colts 30, Dolphins 11. 
Let's go to Green Bay now so I can be a homer, according to someone in the comment section from last week. Packers coming home to play host to the Carolina Panthers. Packers got absolutely shut down last week, and it was the offensive line for like the first time this season really, really, really letting the offense down. And that's been a good offensive line basically all season. They've got excellent players on that offensive line. Balaga, Bakhtiari, like that's a good offensive line, but it was not against the Chargers last week. Green Bay lost that game by 15 points on the road in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, the Panthers at home picking up a 10-point victory against the Tennessee Titans. I believe I had Tennessee winning that game outright. Good performance by Carolina, especially, I mean, look, Christian McCaffrey. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's not talking about Christian McCaffrey as if he's an MVP favorite. And I get the quarterback bias, but, like, this guy has been the definitive playmaker of this season along with like Lamar Jackson. It's basically one and two. You throw Russell Wilson in there too. That should be the top three. It's those two quarterbacks. But I mean, Christian McCaffrey's making as good a case as anybody. And McCaffrey on the offensive side, helping to keep the Panthers very firmly in the NFC wildcard conversation right now at five and three. Carolina comes into this game with a top 10 scoring offense at number 10. Green Bay not far behind them. I think it's like an average of about a point a game. But of course, that, that's an average over the course of the entire season. And in the turnover ratios, the turnover differentials, I found something really interesting. These two teams both sit in the top five in terms of the turnover differential. The Packers at plus seven this season is a tie for number three in the NFL. And Carolina right behind them at plus six, number five in the NFL. Ball security at a premium in this football game. That could be the area where if one team or the... I could wind up being the entirety of the football game right there. Sorry if this is me being a homer, but uh, I'm going to lean on Green Bay at home. They're 4-1 and one at home. Granted, Carolina's 3-1 and one on the road. They've been very good on the road so far this season. But they have a losing record against the NFC. All three of their losses this season have come against NFC opponents. Three of their five wins have been out-of-conference games. It is definitely something to keep an eye on, whereas Green Bay has won four of their five games against the NFC, including three games within their own division. I think the difference in this football game is going to be the Packers' defense and Again, the turnover. I can see Carolina coughing one up a little bit before I can see Green Bay coughing one up. And that's just, I don't know, that's just, tell me I'm wrong, maybe. Go ahead in the comments. But I'm, I'm going to lean on Green Bay because they're playing at home. If the game was in Carolina, I'd be leaning on Carolina because they're playing at home. That's how close I think these two teams are. I'm going to take the Packers at home to beat the Panthers. And if you're in the comments section yelling at me because I'm a Packers fan and I took them to win, heavens to Murgatroy, here's your candy. Here's your glass of milk. I'm not taking the Packers against the spread because right now they're five-point favorites and I think that's too much of a differential in this game. I think this is one where you hedge either way, but I, I'm certainly going to be hedging. I'm grabbing Carolina plus five because that's too many points. That would be one to parlay if you wanted to grab that or you know even if you wanted to do like a six point tease i could definitely understand that with carolina you could tease them up to plus 11 which i think is probably a layup 
Total in the game set at 48 points. I've got this right around here, but I do think this game actually pushes 50 points and gets to 50 points. So this is a bit of a lean, but I think we're going to go over on this one. We're going to go over 48 points in Carolina Green Bay. Let's go Packers 26, Panthers 24. Let's go to Pittsburgh now where the Steelers are going to play host to a Los Angeles Rams team coming into this game well rested off of their bye. Steelers of course picked up that two point victory against Indianapolis last week due in no small part again to the injury to Jacoby Brissett. Pittsburgh, of course, dealing with their own injury situation with James Conner and, of, of course, the quarterback position. Jalen Samuels filling in quite well for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a nice little pickup for me in fantasy in more than one league, and that's why I love playing in so many leagues. Steelers are still right in that mix in the AFC wildcard conversation. They're at four and four. They've won three straight games after struggling out of the gate to a one and four start. I mean, Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh is a team that you have to take seriously, even no matter who is in there, just because they are very well coached. They have a lot of depth. This week, it will be the defense that will be heavily, heavily tested on the part of the Steelers by a Los Angeles Rams team that is a top 10 total offense, chiming in at number 10, and a number 5 pass offense in the NFL. Jared Goff has plenty of weapons. He's been abusing the, the weapon that he has in Cooper Cup. He's been having an incredible season, but just oh, so many weapons on that Rams offensive side. On the Steelers' part, they are plus 11 in the turnover differential. That is number two in the NFL, and that means they're not giving the ball up and they're generating turnovers. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Steelers' defense generate a turnover or even two in this football game. I just don't quite think that's going to be enough for them to keep up in a track meet. I just think the Rams have too many weapons. They're going to be well-rested and healthy. I think I got to take the Rams in this one. Let's take Los Angeles in Pittsburgh to beat the Steelers. On the line, Steelers are three and a half point dogs at home. And I kind of felt like hedging on this one. But uh, you know what? It's under a touchdown. And I don't think that's crazy unrealistic. I mean, if it was Roethlisberger and James Conner, then I'm sure this would be probably much closer to a pick'em, or Pittsburgh may even be favored. But uh, I think I'm going to lay those points at minus three and a half. Let's take the Rams on the road minus the three and a half points. Total in the game set at 45. I've got this going over. I've got this game pushing 50 points. So that's the way we're going to go over 45 points in Rams and Steelers. Let's go Los Angeles 30, Pittsburgh 20. Let's go to Dallas now. Cowboys playing host to the Minnesota Vikings. Cowboys will be coming into the game on the short week, having just played and won convincingly last night. The Vikings on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games, plus could potentially be dealing with a serious injury in their wide receiver core. Cowboys are now winners of two straight games, have the lead in that division at 5-3. Philadelphia right behind them at 5-4. That is going to be a dogfight right down to the last few weeks of the regular season. And you know what? We can say the same thing about the NFC North. The Vikings at 6-3, even though they dropped a game last week. That kept them pace with the Green Bay Packers, who also dropped a game last week. So 6-3 and three and the Packers at 7-2. and two. Obviously, nothing is decided in the NFC North. And I do think that the NFC North will probably generate one of those two wildcard teams. The Vikings and the Cowboys both under intense pressure heading into their game in Week 10. 
And these are two teams that are crazy, crazy well-matched for each other. This is two top 10 total offenses. Dallas, the number one total offense in football. Minnesota chiming in at number eight. They're also two top 10 total defenses. The Vikings at number six in the NFL this season. The Cowboys at number nine. They're also two top five scoring defenses. Minnesota at number four, Dallas at number five. These are two teams that statistically are almost a mirror of each other. And that is going to make for a hell of a football game. So in a matchup that is that close, you look for the slightest edges. Minnesota have not been great on the road this season. In fact, all three of their losses have come away from home where they are a perfect 4-0. But on the road, they're 2-3. Dallas has won three of their four home games. That's a pretty good margin. And like I mentioned, we may have an injury concern for the Vikings. Adam Thielen last week re-aggravating his hamstring injury from the week before. His status is uncertain for this game, but if I had to make a bet on it right now, it just feels like a doubtful situation. I would be surprised if Adam Thielen played in this game. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know what? When it was already a problem before, he goes out, he re-aggravates it very quickly in the game last week. I think they should sit him. And for those reasons, these are really tight margins. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys in this game. I'm going to lean on the home team. I don't necessarily think Dallas is quote-unquote the better football team, but given the situations, given the circumstances heading into this specific game, especially if Thielen sits, I think i got to lean on the Cowboys here. We're going to take Dallas to beat Minnesota. On the line, Dallas is only laying two and a half points as a home favorite here. That's a pretty small price to pay. So I'm going to grab that. I'm going to go Dallas minus the 2.5 points at home against Minnesota. Total in the game set at 47 points. I think this stays under. I think it might push 40, but I don't necessarily know that it gets there. So you're going to give me seven extra points. We're going to take that. Let's go under 47 points in Minnesota-Dallas. We're going to go Cowboys 24 Vikings 15 and the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum gold silver and bronze picks for week 10 on the heels of that 11 and 1 week last week is the San Francisco 49ers coming in on the long week having played Thursday night the week before playing host to the Seattle Seahawks what a game this is basically the battle for the NFC West right here. The Niners are at 8-0 on the season, a perfect 8-0, the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. The Seahawks are at 7-2. So look, they've won two games in a row. They've won four out of their last five. The Seahawks are rolling and playing pretty good football right now. However, if the Seahawks lose this game, you're talking about being two and a half games behind the Niners with like six weeks to go. It's going to be tough for the Seahawks to catch the Niners if Seattle loses this game. I'm not going to lie. It was a little concerning to me last week. that The Seahawks gave up 34 points to Tampa Bay. I thought their defense in their own building would be a little bit better than that. It was a sweat when they went to overtime. They wound up, of course, winning the game. Lucky for me because it was in my top four picks. But um, it was a little concerning. Now, granted, Tampa Bay is a good offense. But, man, 34 points. That's a lot. Seahawks come into this game with the number four total offense in the NFL, going up a 
against a 49ers team that is the number one total defense as well as the number two scoring defense in the NFL. Now there's chatter, of course, that like, oh, the Niners schedule has been baby lotion soft, just like the Patriots. They haven't played anybody. Well, this is certainly going to be a hell of a test against Russell Wilson and a division opponent, no less. The Niners also come into the game with the number three scoring offense and the number two run offense in the NFL. So San Francisco's basically been able to move the ball and put up points however they want to. That's why this game's going to be so interesting to me. In the turnover differential, which I've made a big deal of this week, the Seahawks plus seven in that differential, which ties them for the third best rank in the NFL. The defense is getting takeaways. The offense, of course, led by Russell Wilson, who I think has only thrown one interception this season. They're not giving the ball up very much. However, if that's going to happen, it's going to happen against a 49ers team that has 16 takeaways in eight games. That is tied for the fourth best mark in the NFL. They're averaging two a game. Of note, the Niners have won just once in the last 10 games head-to-head with Seattle. Granted, that's covered some pretty bad San Francisco teams. They've also only covered three of the last 10 against the spread with one push head-to-head. But again, different Niners team, different Seahawks team. That spans over the last five years. In what I think will be the game of the week, I think I've got to lean on the home team here. I think I'm going to take San Francisco. They'll be a little bit well re- better rested than Seattle will. Of course, Seattle having to play a little bit of extra football going into overtime. I don't necessarily know that fatigue will play a huge role in this game, but if it does in such a tight matchup, such a game of inches, that could just be enough for the Niners to come away with the win. I am going to take San Francisco here at home to beat Seattle, and the line on this game, very interesting. Right now, the Niners are favored by six and a half points at home against Seattle, which I think for a division matchup that is going to be close, probably come down to the last possession or two, I just think six and a half points is too many. I think Seattle will get up for this game like they have not gotten up for a game yet this season. I think this will be very hard-hitting, tightly contested all the way down. I'm going to take those points. Again, San Francisco's only covered, what was it, three of the last 10 head-to-head. I think I'm going to take those six and a half points. If this was closer, it would be a much more difficult decision, but I'm going to grab plus 6.5. Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. I've got this game getting up over 50. I've got it at a mid 50, in fact. So I'm more than happy to grab the over here. Over 45 and a half points in Seattle, San Francisco. We're going to see some fireworks, damn it. San Francisco 30, Seattle 24. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 10 in the NFL. We're going to start, as always, with the bronze pick. Four and five straight up, just two and seven against the spread, and three and six on the total. But I did sweep this pick last week, so let's keep this momentum going. My bronze pick sees the Tennessee Titans playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Tennessee dealing with a little bit of an injury concern on the defensive side, and there's always the specter of when Patrick Mahomes might return to this Kansas City team. 
Chiefs picked up the win last week in Mahomes' absence, a three-point victory against the Minnesota Vikings, which was a heck of a victory for them last week. Kansas City leading that AFC West by two games, well, a game and a half, at 6-3 and three over the 4-4 four and four Raiders. Again, they won last week. They've only won two of their last five have the Chiefs, but I feel like this is a team that has figured themselves out. The Titans, meanwhile, dropped to 4-5 and five last week with that 10-point loss in Carolina against the Panthers. Again, 4-5. and five. The offense has struggled. The defense has been good. That's the best statistical defense in that division, and that includes Jacksonville and Houston. So it's not like Tennessee has been incapable on the defensive side of the ball. We just need to see them do more offensively. The Chiefs coming in, despite the absence of Mahomes for the last couple of weeks, the number five scoring offense in the NFL, as well as the number two pass offense. Matt Moore has done an admirable job keeping things steady for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now they are going in against a top 10 scoring defense in the Tennessee Titans at number seven, but they are dealing with an injury, as I mentioned before, and that injury comes in their secondary. Cornerback Malcolm Butler suffering a broken wrist in the game last week. He is definitely not playing this week. He's already been ruled out for this week, and he may be at risk of missing the rest of the season if Tennessee's coaching staff can be believed on their word from earlier this week. I think I have to grab the Chiefs here, especially because, look, all three of the Chiefs' losses this season have come in their own building. They're on the road in Tennessee this week, and they're unbeaten on the road at 4-0 and this year. Meanwhile, Tennessee is only 500. They're only playing 500 football in their own building at 2-2. Two and two. They are uh, two games under 500 against AFC opponents. I just like the Chiefs here. I think this is a good spot for them. Let's take Kansas City on the road in Tennessee to beat the Titans. On the line, Titans are four-point dogs at home. And again, this is another one where I can't blame you if you want to hedge your bets and uh, grab Tennessee plus four, especially if you like them to come up with a big upset uh, a big upset win. But I think I got to lay those points. It still feels like a relatively small price to pay, even though it is four full points. Let's grab Kansas City minus four. Total in the game set at 48.5 points. I've only got this thing getting to like a mid 40. So it's a bit of a sweat and it's a bit of a lean, but I'm going to stay under on this total under 48 and a half points in Kansas city, Tennessee, that Titans defense can still play some ball. Let's go Kansas city, 26 Titans, 19 chiefs straight up. We're going to hammer the chiefs minus four against the spread in a game that stays under 48 and a half points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick, where I'm 7-2 and two straight up and 5-4 and four both against the spread and over-under, making this still my most successful pick to date, is a game that apparently I see way differently than most of the rest of people. The Oakland Raiders at home taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, part of the reason I see this game the way that I do is the Raiders are dealing with a little bit of an injury concern, but it's on their offensive line. It's right tackle Trent Brown. He is dealing with a uh, knee injury, actually. Seems unlikely to play on what is a relatively short week. I believe this is the game on Thursday night, if I'm uh, not mistaken. So it's a little bit of a short week. He's only given up one sack in 339 offensive plays at the right tackle position. 
And now you've got the Chargers with a healthy Bosa and a healthy Ingram. You saw what they were able to do to a very good offensive line in Green Bay. This is one of the first times that the Chargers have had both of those players healthy and on the field at the same time. I don't expect Oakland to be able to do very much, certainly not on the ground. And this is also a Chargers team that's coming into this game with a top 10 total defense at number 7 and the number 5 pass defense in the NFL. I don't see Oakland moving the ball very well on this team. I don't necessarily know that the Chargers will generate a bunch of giveaways even though their defense is as good as it is. Oakland has only coughed up eight giveaways in the NFL so far this season. That's the number four rank league-wide. So whether they get turnovers or not, I don't know. But just in, I don't see Oakland having a a great day moving the football. And if they can't move the football, going to be tough to win a game, even though the game is in Oakland. Of note, Chargers have won four straight head-to-head matchups. Now, Oakland won four straight before that, but Chargers on a four-game winning streak head-to-head, and five straight matchups head-to-head have gone under, as well as six of the last seven. I think that trend leans towards the better defense, which is head and shoulders the Chargers. I'm taking Los Angeles on the road in Oakland to beat the Raiders, and I don't think the game is particularly close. On the line, you only have to lay a single point to take the Chargers in this matchup. That is a great gift from Vegas. So thank you very much. I will lay that single point on the better football team and take the Chargers on the road in Oakland. Total in the game set at 48.5 points. I've only got it getting to a mid-40, so I think I'm going to stick with the trend there. We're going to go under 48.5 points in Oakland, Los Angeles. Let's go Chargers 27, Raiders 17. Chargers straight up, and we're going to hammer the Chargers minus one against the spread in a game that stays under 48.5 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick where I am 8-1 straight up, but only 2-7 and seven against the spread and 5-4 and four on the totals, sees two teams coming into this game off of their bye week, those being the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons, Saints playing host. Division matchup of best versus worst in the NFC South could have a little bit of trap written all over it, but look man, the Saints are rolling six consecutive wins, they got Drew Brees back, Brees looks absolutely fine. Falcons, six consecutive losses. The defense is very, very porous. They're about as bad as the Bucks from a scoring defense perspective. The offense not doing nearly enough to keep pace with how bad the defense has been. It's just a mismatch, man. What, what else do you want me to say? You want me to say a little more? Okay. Falcons are a top 10 total offense. They can move the ball very well. They're in fact the number one pass offense in football. It just hasn't translated to points. And against the Saints, don't necessarily think it'll translate to points either. The Saints, the number five total defense in football, as well as a top 10 scoring defense. I don't see the Falcons putting up a ton of points on the board. Falcons are also minus 11 in the turnover differential. That is the second worst mark in the NFL. They are giving the football up at too high of a rate, certainly against an elite team like New Orleans. New Orleans has also only given the ball away six times. They're the number two rank in the NFL in terms of giveaways. Ball security, ball security, ball security. That's what the Saints are all about. 
New Orleans has won three straight head-to-head matchups. They've also covered four of the last five against the spread, and three of the last four head-to-head have gone under. We're going to be sticking with some trends here. Look, Mismatch City, I am going to take the Saints here at home in a relatively non-competitive game, I think. Let's take New Orleans to beat Atlanta. On the line, Saints are laying a full 13 points against the spread, and I think it's justified. Honestly, I think that's the difference between these two teams. It's just been a bad year for Atlanta. I think they should get the best draft pick they possibly can and worry about next season. I'm going to lay those points. Let's take the Saints minus the 13. Where we are going to go against trend is on the total. Total in the game is set at 51 points. I don't have this flying over, but I do have it going over. I capped it around a mid-50, so I have it going over probably late in the football game, which I understand is going against the trend, but we are going to go over on that one, over 51 points in Atlanta, New Orleans. Let's go Saints 34, Falcons 20. Saints straight up, we're going to hammer the Saints minus 13 against the spread in a game that goes over 51 points. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick, where I'm eight and one straight up, three and six against the spread, and two and seven on the totals, sees the Cincinnati Bengals coming off of their bye at home playing host to a Baltimore Ravens team that just beat the Patriots. Now, could this be adrenaline dump? Underdog City? Absolutely. This could be an emotional letdown game. You just beat a previously undefeated team in your own building last week you're riding high and now you're looking past one of if not the worst teams in football you know playing them in their building but this is a division game teams do get up for this more so than other matchups so baltimore can't walk into this thing thinking they're just going to run cincinnati over even though they probably are going to run cincinnati over Bengals seeking their first win. They've benched Andy Dalton, so they're going to be going with uh, with a non-Andy Dalton quarterback. And quite frankly, I, 124 points in eight games, I really can't blame them, even though I don't think a ton of that is Andy Dalton's fault. He's playing behind an offensive line that you might as well throw a piece of Swiss cheese out there. Baltimore, meanwhile, four straight wins, tons of points on the board. You'd like to see the defense playing a bit better, but they will certainly have an opportunity to pin their ears back and absolutely beat the hell out of that Bengals offensive line this week. Ravens, the number one scoring offense in football, as well as the number one run offense in football versus the Cincinnati Bengals, the worst total defense and the worst run defense. So can you imagine what Baltimore's game plan is going to be? Ravens, the number two run defense in football as well. Cincinnati doing absolutely nothing on the ground this year, doing absolutely nothing in terms of ball security. They're minus nine in the turnover differential, which is the fourth worst mark in the NFL. Baltimore has only won two straight head-to-head matchups, so Cincinnati does get up for this a little bit, and the Bengals have covered four straight and five of the last six against the spread, which includes covering plus 10.5 in Baltimore back on October the 13th. So that's just a few short weeks ago. Cincinnati covered plus 10.5 in that game. You got to at least take a look at Cincinnati. Well, I did take a look at Cincinnati, and what I saw made me cry. So Ravens straight up for sure. Uh, Baltimore is a 10-point favorite in Cincinnati. I think you lay that 
Yeah, that, that was just that's justified as far as I'm concerned. In fact, I'm going to go back. This was back in week six. So I did have actually I got Baltimore at minus eleven and a half. I did have them covering those points at minus eleven and a half. That of course did not work out, but I'm willing to be wrong again <laughs> in uh, in this case. I think Baltimore covers that number. Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. I've got this at like a mid to high 50. I think Baltimore puts up a ton of points in this football game. So I feel good about going over in this one. Let's go over 45 and a half points in Cincinnati, Baltimore. We're going to go Ravens 40, the most points of the week. Bengals 17. Ravens straight up. We're hammering the Ravens minus 10 against the spread in a game that goes over 45 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. There you go, folks. Those are your 13 picks for week 10 in the NFL. Double digits already. The season always goes by so quickly. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. So the comment of the week from the week nine video is going to go to my good friend, Andrew Warren, fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator, as something of an I'm sorry for the fact that uh, the New England Patriots lost that game last week against Baltimore. And his comments circle around that because he is a diehard Pats fan. Andrew says, I'm too nervous for my Pats this week. I hope they beat Baltimore. I think they get rid of Lamar Jackson's running. They didn't, but it's going to be a nail biter. Good luck this week, Justin, and see you next week. And actually, the blind Canadian cat kind of dovetails off of that comment. And so we'll include that as well as kind of a sub-comment of the week, if you will. So blind Canadian cat says, can I hinge off his comment? While LJ's running abilities against your defense may be the storyline heading into the game, I'm looking at our tight ends versus the linebackers, especially Mark Andrews, who had three drops last time we saw him. He'll look to be better. He was better, in fact. Also, how Humphrey will do against whoever he's lined up against. This will be a fun game to watch. Best of luck to your picks, Justin, and here's to a good game, Andrew. And I replied to both of those comments basically saying, this is definitely the one game this week if you were forced to choose just one to watch. This is totally the one. It lived up to the billing. Ravens wind up winning that game. Andrew, yours is the comment of the week, my Patriots loving friend from the week nine video. There you go, folks. Week 10 is in the books. This episode's actually a little bit longer than I expected it to be. But anyway, week 10 picks are in the books. Enjoy the games in week 10. That's it for me, Justin Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tease. We will see you again for week 11. And like I said, keep an eye out for the details of my upcoming punishment for not getting myself back to 500 against the spread. Also, CFL playoffs kick off this week. Pay attention to this channel. I'll be having my playoff picks show up in the next couple of days. I think that'll come out on Thursday because the playoff games aren't until Sunday. So got a nice little buffer there. I think we'll do those on Thursday. And I've got a little something extra special for the video coming up this week. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you enjoy that one. And I hope you enjoy the games. We will see you again next week.